0: So, we're continuing our series on the foundations of the church. It's really been just fun for me to sit back and just think about some of those core values that really mean a lot to me and mean a lot. To our church and so uh, a few weeks ago I went out just took a picture of our church every church you see has some foundational principles as a matter of fact sometimes when people visit they'll ask me what are some of the core values of your church now some of them should be obvious but every church has different things that they deem as important and so we're kind of going through that list and so we talked about that bedrock foundation of loving God And Jesus, when asked what is the most important thing, he said it's to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors, ourself. You know, really, if we don't have that, if we don't have that as our primary bedrock foundation, everything else we do will ultimately fail, as as Jesus said to the church at Ephesus. But if we have that right, if we have that one thing right, if everything we're doing is to encourage people to build a love relationship with God, I believe ultimately we will succeed, so it really is vitally important. Now, Brett shared about the foundation of the family, and again, I cannot emphasize enough that your family is so important. I hope you never get so involved in ministry that you sacrifice your family. My pastor that I grew up in, I've shared about uh, Clyde Oster, amazing guy, amazing guy, always out visiting, but he told me later that literally if he could go back and change one thing, he would not have sacrificed his family for ministry, and boy, that's some pretty good advice, and again, ministry is important, but your family is so vitally important. I hope they are The most important thing in your life other than your relationship with God. We talked about the foundation of worship and and part of our privilege of going through this journey is being able to worship together as brothers and sisters. It's something we're going to do a lot of in heaven. And so it kind of gives us that privilege of gathering with other people who have been saved by the grace of God. And there's something about just coming together, people from so many diverse backgrounds, but yet we can come and just worship and love on God. It helps us not only to draw close to God, but it really helps us to learn to draw close to each other. Last week we talked about the foundation of giving, and if you survived that, you did really well. All right. But I believe part of this journey really is giving back along the journey, and this church excels so well in that point and so I just really appreciate our church family and today we want to talk about the foundation of God's Word and 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 helping people become and acquainted and get a grip on the Word of God and literally we would call it discipleship and about the importance of discipling people which again I think our church does incredibly well But uh, going back again a little bit to my story, if you weren't here last week, this is the church that I grew up in. I was going to nine months before I was born. I was there for Sunday school, training union, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We were there all the time. And I appreciate the church, and the church has meant so much to me. And my life, if I look back over my my early teen years, my later grade school years, I kind of lived the same year over and over and over. I really wasn't making progress in my Christian life. And I don't blame anybody but myself, but uh, every year we would go down to Windermere. Anybody here ever been to Windermere down in Roach, Missouri? That's an interesting name, Roach, Missouri. But it was a, it's a beautiful camp on the Lake of the Ozarks, and we would go down every year uh, for Youth Week for St. Louis. And every year, we, now we did a lot of crazy things down there, and I'm not going to talk about that. And Bob wasn't even there, so I can't blame Bob. But uh, we did a lot of crazy, but every year, almost every year at camp, we would rededicate our life. Our kids, man, we just rededicate our life, and we were going to come back. We were going to charge hell with a water pistol, man. We were going to memorize the whole Bible. And, but yet, three or four weeks later, we were kind of back in, in the rut. And so I kind of lived that same year over and over and over. I would get on fire for a little while, and then I would back off and just kind of do my thing. And I've shared during my teen years, I'm not proud of it, but I came to church every week, but I also did everything the world did out there. And so I was not a very good example. I was not making progress as I should. And again, I don't blame anybody but myself, but I just really was kind of stuck in the Christian life. I was just kind of plateaued in my growth, until this guy came along, Dennis Stone. Now, this is a more recent picture, so you got a picture Dennis 45 years ago. He didn't have the gray hair, but uh, Dennis was our first, that I remember, our first youth pastor. I don't remember ever having a youth pastor, and, and Dennis, he was really committed to spending time and investing in us, and so every Tuesday night, we would have what he called koinonia, Koinonia is that Greek word for fellowship, but every Tuesday night, we would meet for Koinonia, and there'd only be just a handful of us, not very many, but I was one, Gary Lake, Ken Roderick, if you, if you saw my, my message last week, I mentioned them guys, but he only met with three or four of us, I mean, every single week, and he knew what we were doing, I mean, we, we shared everything with Dennis, and Dennis was never judgmental, he was never mean or ugly, but extremely patient, extremely loving. And he taught us how to to have that daily time and just to grow and experience God on a daily basis. Can I tell you, when I get to heaven, a part of who I am will always go back to this guy who invested in me and taught me what it was to disciple and to spend time. Now, many people would have said about Dennis, he wasn't very successful because he really didn't build a mega youth group. But I would look at him and say, I owe so much to this guy who was willing to invest every Tuesday night of his life into pouring in to a handful of young men. And so I'm very, very appreciative of him. And so uh, right before I went to Gerald, the pastor of my first church, I went to a conference led by this guy, Billy Hanks Jr., and it was on multiplying disciples. And even though I grew up in church, I was not familiar with, with that term, multiplying disciples. I should have, it's in the Bible, I just wasn't familiar with it. But a couple statements, and by the way, he doesn't look like that, or he didn't look like that 45 years ago, he had hair, all right? But anyway, this is him, more modern day picture, but a couple statements is discipleship equals relationship, and relationship equals time. It takes time to grow disciples, it doesn't happen overnight. And by the way, growing spiritually can be compared to growing physically. How many of you know when you have a baby, your job is not over? I mean, how many of you know that kids can take you to the mountaintop and they can take you through the valley? I often say, man, after being a parent, I understand why some species eat their young. I mean, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, you don't appreciate parenthood until you have a couple. And then you do. I mean, it does take you to the heights, the depths. And, and But is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you pour your life. And so I just want you to understand that spiritual growth takes time, takes love, takes someone to come alongside, to love, encourage, and nurture you. We need that same process. And another statement that he made is, Uh, He talked about a Paul-Timothy relationship. That was one of the terms he used. Now, you remember Paul and Timothy. Paul kind of took Timothy under his wing. He referred to Timothy as his son, even though he wasn't physically his son, but he was his son in the faith. But he so took Timothy under his wing, he invested himself in Timothy. I believe all of us, as we're on this journey, we always need a Paul, somebody that can continue to encourage us. I'm 65 years old, pastor for 43 years. I still have people that encourage me. You always got to have those Pauls in your life that will continue to encourage you, but you also need to have some Timothys. You got to have some people that you can help encourage and that you can help love and bring along as well. We all need Pauls. We all need Timothys. That's part of the process all right and so we all understand that and so the great commission which is to go out and make disciples i just want us to go back and review what we call the great commission i forgot to put the reference up there but it's matthew 28 18 through 20 but jesus gave a homework assignment to the church his homework assignment wasn't just to go out and get people but it was to go out and make disciples and it is a process it is time invested because, again, discipleship equals relationship, and relationship equals time. It does take time. Let's read together what we call the Great Commission. As Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven, he gave this assignment to the church. Let's read together. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so the discipleship process, in one way, is pretty simple. Jesus said, I want you to disciple the same way I discipled you. Well, how did he disciple them? He took 12 under his wing and he stayed with that 12 for three and a half years. Now, there were some others in there that I believe he discipled, but discipleship takes time. He didn't get 12 disciples this week, and next month get 12 more, and next month get 12 more. It is a process. He invested his life in these 12, because he knew one day he was going to ascend into heaven, and he was uh, giving the baton off to these 12. That was scary. But again, discipleship is about equipping and developing, and one day the people that you disciple will hopefully go out and disciple others. I've had people say to me, Roger, man, the greatest feeling in the world is to lead somebody to Christ. There's nothing like it. And it is amazing. But can I tell you something that to me is more exciting than leading somebody to the Lord? And that's somebody that you've led to the Lord. They're out leading somebody else to the Lord, and they're discipling them. That's multiplication. I wonder when we get to heaven how many grandchildren we're going to have spiritually. People who we've invested in, people who we've loved on, they've gone out and loved on other people and developed them, and then they've gone out and loved on people. That's multiplication. And we're going to talk about that difference. And so kind of a a threefold thing here. When we think about spiritual and physical growth, they both operate the same way. All right? we got to be fruitful, number one. Number two, multiply. And number three, fill the earth. That's God's plan for evangelism god's plan for discipleship god's plan for physical growth is right here let's all say together number one be fruitful number two number three fill the earth that's how it works now we know physically how we multiply and how we fill the earth let me give you an example Let's pick a couple here, and if they're going to multiply and their family's going to grow, they obviously got to have children, all right? So let's say that this couple has two children, and both of those children get married, and they have two children, all right? And so the multiplication process continues, all right? And so if you go down to about five generations— The one that started out with two people now have 32 people, all right? So it begins to grow and multiply. So we understand physically how multiplication works. Well, spiritually, it's the same way. It's the people who we've led to the Lord, we've discipled. Now they're out discipling other people, and it begins to expand. You say, do you have a scripture for that? I'm glad you asked. All right, always got to have a Bible verse. And how many of you think it's good to go all the way back to the beginning to see God's plan for growth? And so we go back to Adam and Eve. Can't go back any farther than that. Well, we can go back farther, but here in Genesis, it says, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them three things. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. So again, he wants us to be fruitful first. He wants us to multiply, get some other people being fruitful. Our goal should be to fill the earth, all right? So a problem happened in Genesis 6. People were multiplying, but they weren't fruitful. That was a problem. Now, notice what it says in Genesis 6. Now, it came to pass when men began to multiply in the face of the earth, and you said, man, that's exciting, more numbers, numbers, numbers. But they weren't fruitful. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God was not happy just because men were multiplying because they weren't fruitful. Can I tell you, I church with a handful of fruitful people in a church of thousands that literally had no concept of their relationship with God. It's not about numbers. And I'm just, can I just be honest with you? Being a pastor, man, numbers becomes important. And you're kind of judged by numbers. As a matter of fact, every year we fill out an annual report to the convention. They want to know how many were saved, how many were baptized. They want to know how many were running. But in all my years, I've never had a question, how many have been discipled? How many are bearing fruit in your church? I've never been asked that. Can I tell you, the pressure is to try to produce numbers to look good. And that's wrong got to do it God's way. Fruitful first, then multiply, get some other people bearing fruit, and then fill the earth, all right? And so the Bible says the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So he wasn't excited about a lot of people because, again, they weren't fruitful. They were evil. And so when he started over with Noah, after the flood, he started over with Noah and his family. Guess what plan he had for Noah and his family? Same plan. Because it's the right plan. So notice what he says to Noah and his family. After the flood, they're starting all over. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Kind of get the idea that's God's plan of evangelism. So I'm going to save you trouble going to an evangelism conference. It's right here. (laughs) Be fruitful, then multiply, then fill the earth. All right, so the three things are just summarizing. First and foremost, God wants us to bear fruit. Second of all, once we bear fruit, and that only comes being connected to Jesus, then we want to get some other people bearing fruit. And then our ultimate goal is to fill the world with people that are bearing fruit. That is God's plan for evangelism. So when he began to choose a people for himself, he started with Abraham. And notice what he says to Abraham, and we could spend some time on this. But he says to Abraham, I will make you exceedingly what? fruitful, because that is the main thing. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. So first and foremost, he said when he began to choose a people, I want you to be exceedingly fruitful. And the only way we bear fruit is being connected to him, all right? Now notice in chapter 1 of Exodus, it was working. I mean, it was happening, all right? Notice what the Bible says. Even though they were in bondage in Egypt, Notice what the Bible says. Joseph died and all of his brothers and all that generation, but the children of Israel were what? They were fruitful, they increased abundantly, they multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was. That's it! That is it! That is God's plan right there. They were fruitful, they were multiplying, and the land was filled with them. That is God's plan for evangelism. Now, even though Egypt got a little bit upset, they were going to try to do what they could to stop it. And notice what it says here. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Can I tell you that the world cannot stop this process? When we began to get into that realm of being fruitful, multiplying, and filling the earth, the world cannot stop the process. Jesus taught a lot about bearing fruit, and we don't have time to get into all, of it, but I just want to give you one. You know, Jesus said you will know them by their what? By their fruit. You know, and he also gave a parable in Luke 13 of a barren fig tree. If you remember, he said a guy planted a fig tree in his vineyard. Now I just want to ask you a question. If you planted an apple tree, what would you want? Why would you plant an apple tree? You guys are on top of it. I don't care what they say, you guys are all on top of it. So if you plant an apple tree, I mean, I don't care how big, how, it's got to bear apples. And so he, he planted this fig tree, and the Bible says he came three years looking for figs, and it never had any figs. He, he didn't get excited just because the tree grew. Because it had no figs, he said, cut it down. Why does it waste up good ground? God is looking for people To bear fruit. That is number one. So notice what Jesus taught here in in John chapter 15. And it really isn't rocket science. All right. Notice he says, let's just, I'll just let you read it with me. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. The next verse, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I mean, here how simple can it be? How many of you have ever gone by and, and, and saw an apple tree bearing apples, and that limb wasn't grunting? Ugh, ooh, ah, I'm trying to bear apples. As long as the limb is connected to the tree, it naturally bears apples. Can I tell you, when you begin to grow in your relationship with God and fall in love with God, I want to tell you one thing that will naturally happen is your life will bear fruit. If you're abiding in him and he's abiding in you, I mean, your life will produce fruit. I mean, it's it's kind of that simple. He goes on to say this in verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so will you be my disciples. So discipleship equals relationship. Relationship equals time. It takes time to invest in people. Our goal is that they begin connected to God and their life begins to bear fruit and they get involved in the process. And so in Acts, the Bible, uh, this word multiplication, we find it in the book of Acts. By the way, the disciples, if you look at the disciples in Acts, they were, they were copying the way Jesus discipled them because Jesus took them with him And in the book of Acts, you ever wonder why they travel together? You say, where did they get that idea of traveling together and discipling in real life? They got that from Jesus. And the people they took with them, a chapter or two later, now all of a sudden they're taking people with them. Discipleship does not happen inside the four walls of a building. It is a life experience. But notice in the book of Acts, the word of God spread, the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. It was multiplying so fast that a good many of the preachers got saved. How many think it's a good idea when the preachers get saved? Man, thank God the preachers got saved. I mean, it was growing, even the priests got saved. That's funny. I mean, even the preachers got saved. I mean, so so God was multiplying, and the church was growing. How were they doing it? They were discipling people who would go out and disciple other people who would go out and disciple. I mean, that's how multiplication works. All right, Acts 9. Then the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and they were... Multiplied. So again, that multiplication process is the people that you disciple, they go out and disciple others who in turn go out and disciple others. That's how it multiplies out. In Acts chapter 11, there was a revival breaking out in Antioch. The church in Jerusalem heard there were a lot of new converts. What do a lot of new converts need? They need to be discipled. They need to be encouraged. So the church in Jerusalem sends Barnabas down to Antioch. Does anybody remember what the name Barnabas means? Son of encouraging. He was an encourager. Why would they send Barnabas down for all these new converts? Because new converts need encouraging. And I like what the Bible says here in verse 23 of Acts 11. When Barnabas arrived, he saw the grace of God that was bestowed on them. He rejoiced and began to what? To encourage them with an unwavering heart to stay true and devoted to the Lord. Barnabas said, stay close to God no matter what it costs you. Why did he want him to stay close to the Lord? Because that's how we bear fruit. Can I tell you, it's not easy to be a disciple. Discipleship is going to cost you something. But can I also tell you this from my 43 years experience? If you choose not to be a disciple, it's going to cost you more. Walking with God is not easy. But Barnabas said, stay close to the Lord no matter what it costs. I love that. So let's kind of look at at, at the difference between addition and multiplication. A lot of churches are working under the addition theory. That is, we go out, we see people saved, we give them a Bible, and we say, God bless you, good luck. That's kind of like having a baby and giving them a case of baby food, saying, man, here's a lot of food, I'll see you next week. Takes time. So let let me give you the difference between addition and multiplication. This is important. So let's say that Tim out here, he's leading one person every week to the Lord for 16 years. How many of you think that would be kind of cool? That would be awesome. You guys don't get impressed often, but I'd be impressed. He'd be asked to speak at all the evangelism conferences. And so at the end of 16 years, if you multiply 52 times 16, you come up with 832. In 16 years, he would have led 832 people to the Lord. That's amazing. Let me ask you, of those 832 people, how many of those you think he could disciple? How many of you, if you had a kid every week for 16 years, (laughs) can I tell you, it takes time. If we're being honest, I mean, yeah, it's exciting. He's leading one, but they're not going to be discipled. I think we could be honest. All right, and So at the end of 16 years, if you were to multiply that out to Tom here, Tom lead, he leads one person every day to the Lord for 16 years. That would come up to 5,840. Of those 5,840, how many do you think that Tom got to disciple? Probably none. So again, they're getting saved, giving them a Bible, good luck. But they need to be disciples. They need someone to invest, to love on them and to to spend time. So let's use Terry here. Terry wins one person and disciples them for six months. He not only brings them to the Lord, but he invests six months in their life, teaching them how to have a daily quiet time, how to have a prayer life, how to memorize scripture. And he spends six months investing in this believer. And at the end of six months, he challenges him. I want you to go out and get one more person, and I'm going to go out and get one more person. So at the end of six months, how many would there be? Two, be Terry and the person he discipled. So if they each go out and disciple somebody, at the end of a year, there'd be how many? You just double it, all right? If you need your calculator, get it out. out, If you already have your phone out, get the calculator. So at the end of a year, if those two each worked with one person for six months, there would be four. At the end of a year and a half, if those four each went out and worked with one person for six months, there would be eight. At the end of two years, there would be, somebody said 16, 16, so if you were to multiply that out over 16 years, the number would be not only people who were saved, but spent six months being discipled, it would come out to 4,294,967,296 of people who not only were saved, but they spent six months being discipled. Let me ask you, not many of us can be a Tom or a Tim. But there's not a person here that can't be a Terry. There's not a person here that can't take one person under your wing and invest in their life and encourage them and help them develop a relationship with God and challenge them to be a part of the process. Isn't that that's what's exciting about this multiplication? We can all be involved in it. Let me Let me... Uh, ratchet it up a notch because some of you aren't nodding. See, the the important thing is you always smile and nod. That way I think you're getting it. If you look confused, I have to go back and redo and we don't want to do that. So let's, let's ratchet it up a little. Let's say there's six evangelists and they lead a thousand people every day to the Lord. Every day a thousand people. So at the end of one day there's 6,000 people who have been saved. Let me ask you, of these 6,000 people, how many do you think are going to be discipled by these six evangelists? Probably none. All right? And so at the end of a year, if you were to multiply that out, there would be 2,190,000. At the end of 26 years, it would be 56,940,000. If they were to continue 6,000 a day being saved, I mean, that's unbelievable! Unbelievable! But I'm telling you, as crazy as that is, it's impossible for them to disciple that many people. Let's go back to Terry. Terry wins one person, and instead of six months, we're going to go radical and say an entire year. He spends an entire year just meeting, encouraging, telling them how to have a daily quiet time, how to memorize scripture, how to grow, and the importance of them going out and helping somebody else. So at the end of one year, there would be two. Terry and the person that he's discipled. If they were to each go out and take one person for another year, at the end of two years, there'd be how many? Four. Very good, very good. Some of you got your calculator out. This is good. So at the end of two years, all four of them would go out and get one person, work for a year, there would be eight, all right? At the end of 26 years, it would be 67,108,864 people who had been uh, not only saved, but discipled. Can you imagine that Terry is doing a greater work than six evangelists leading a 1,000 people a day because he's doing it God's way? God's way is to be fruitful, then multiply, and then fill the earth. Let me give you one more example. Well, this is the story of the barren fig tree. I'm not going to give you that again. I'm going to ask, is Jason still up there? Jason, come on down, my son-in-law. By the way, uh, as of May, we're scheduled to be grandparents. And so we're pretty excited. We've heard that grandchildren are your reward for not killing your children. So I'm going to have Jason here, and I'm going to use John. John right here on the front. John, if you'll come over on this side. I want to illustrate again how important it is, this power of multiplication. So John's over here. These guys represent two pastors, all right? Now, John over here, he's old school. He's a workaholic. He's, he's working six days a week to grow his church, and his church is letting him because they pay him to go out and grow the church. But Jason over here, he understands the power of multiplication. So I want each of you to go out anywhere you want to go and bring one person back. Each right. Each get to go out and bring one person back. Don't duck, people. Keep your head up. (laughs) I know when we ask for volunteers, everybody puts their head down. And I I, I want to go on record as saying, so over here, again, this church is all the pastor doing the work because they pay him to do it. He's going to go out and do it. I, I want to go on record as saying you all just witnessed a miracle right here. The first two services, the first 10 or 15 people that were up here were all men. I had a lady come to me after the 8 o'clock service and said, I, I just don't agree with that. It was all men up there. And without women, you cannot run a church. I said, I, I, did, I had no choice. I had no, And I didn't talk to Jason about this. So he went out and got a lady, it's always good, we need the, we need the ladies, amen, we need everybody. Alright, so this church over here, I mean, you know, Chuck's wondering why the pastor isn't doing more, it's kind of dead over there, but over here, they spend a the year being disciple man, rise is growing, getting excited about the Lord, and so I want you to each go out and get one more and bring them back, over here, only you go out and get somebody, Chuck just sits back and wonders why the church is so dead. All right, we're going into the foreign mission field of the balcony. And so Jason got kind of lazy there, and he pointed. Hey, you! So he got one of his good friends. All right? And by the way, these guys, are they're doing much better than the first two, sir. They're getting some women up here. That's good. And so Jason went out and got one of his buddies here, so Trent. By the way, and one thing you'll notice in all three services, a lot of times they went and got their family. It's always important to get your family in on this. It really is. All right, so this church over here, they're all discipling. Man, they're spending time together. Man, they're spending a year teaching them how to have time with God, how to grow, how to mature, how to be part of the process. This church over here, it's just kind of going along. They're wishing the pastor did more, but he's not doing much, man. He's out working six days a week. He could be working seven. But anyway, so anyway, so I want, you, I want you to go out and get one more person. You two do nothing. On this church over here, because you're all involved in the process, I want you to each go out and get one person, all right? I'm sorry, Mike. He picked you, man. All right. All right. I want to say this is the first time we've ever got up into the the mission field of the balcony. (laughs) He's going up there where his people are up there, man. There's something to be said about that. You guys are witnessing biblical multiplication right here. All right. So he got my daughter. That's good. That's good. It's always good to get your spouse, amen? So anyway, we're glad she's over here. So this church is growing over here. They're all involved with discipleship. They're all getting involved with multiplication. This church over here is dependent on the pastor. They've actually formed a committee. These three have formed a committee to wonder what to do with the pastor because they're just not producing. He's just not producing. And so anyway, they're kind of a little disgruntled. I know that's hard to fetch, but I want you to go out and get one person. This church over here, man, you've all been involved in discipleship, multiplication. You understand the problem. Hey, Jason, stay focused, baby. (laughs) He's already looking at who I'm going to get next. He's not listening. All right. (laughs) I'm just messing with him. So anyway, he's got to love me because he's my son-in-law. He's stuck with me. All right, so I want everybody here to go out and get one person Oh, in this church, only you go out. And by the way, while he's gone, there's a little bit of disgruntled over here. And Mike says, can I switch churches? Mike, go over there, man. And Mike's even going to go get involved with the discipleship process right here. All right, you're over there. Don't go to that church no matter what. <laughs> you lost a member while you were gone because things were pretty dry, all right? So this church over here, just kind of everybody's getting involved. Everybody's part of the process. This church over here just struggling along and just depending on the pastor to, to juggle more balls, to get more done. So we're going to do it one more time. I want you to go out. Only you go out. The rest of you, you can sit down if you want because you're not really expected to do anything. So you go out. I want everybody on this side to go out and get one person, all right? How many of you see a pattern happening here? <laughs> Who'd you get? Oh, sorry. You're on the other side. Who picked him? So you four? All right, I'm impressed, man. man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now, if we were to do this two more times, guess where you all, 99% of you all would be? Over here, all right? What you just saw was New Testament evangelism, multiplication, discipleship. New Testament discipleship is not the pastor out working his tail off and everybody else sitting back. But really, it's the body of Christ involved in discipling people. That really is what it's about. Now, sometimes I'll, I'll sing a, a song at this point, but I, I won't do that to you five, even though I think you could do it. But how many of you, if you had to pick a church, in honesty, which church would you want to be a part of? hopefully, say that one, say that one. all right, otherwise, we got to start over today, all right, so we're going to stop here, but I appreciate everybody, your willingness, I appreciate you guys, and uh, so you can all kind of make your way back, John, you got to wait, there's a lot of people in this church, man, Never be behind the Baptist church getting out. Amen, amen. <laughs> yeah. She's stuck, it's her father-in-law. She feels like, she feels obligated to go to his church. Let me say this, and just, I know I may just sound like I'm echoing, but this church has so many people doing this. One of the great factors of our church is the people that are willing to decide. I think worship is so amazing. But can I tell you, every believer needs to be a part of a small group Bible study. Because that's where discipleship happens. Discipleship doesn't happen in the worship service, but it always happens in the small group. Now, I did 26-week discipleship classes for probably about 18 years. I didn't have enough people to divide men and women, so I put everybody together. We had 80-year-olds with 18-year-olds, and here's what I discovered. You know, when you get an 80-something-year-old with an 18-year-old, how many of you know they can learn from each other? Man, that 18-year-old got connected to that 80-year-old, and we would always put a chair in the middle, and I didn't know, I, I probably didn't know how to do it, but I put a chair in the middle, and we all got around, and we prayed for every person. I can remember that young guy, there was a young guy one time, and he said to me, when that 80-year-old put his hand on me and prayed for me, he said, that meant all the world. Can I tell you, although at times I think it's good to divide, separate, but somehow we can learn from each other. We need the 80-year-olds encouraging the 18-year-olds. God is faithful. Everyone needs to be a part of the process. And the great thing is everyone can do this. There's not a person here that can't take one person under your wing and just be an encourager to them. Everybody needs that encouragement. I am so thankful to be a part of a church where there are so many amazing small groups. Look at Dave and Lynn out there who do so much at their house. It doesn't have to happen at church. I mean, being involved in the process is exciting. Let's all stand together. I want you to think about maybe a Paul or two, somebody that God's put in your life that really has helped you. And maybe if you have an opportunity just to write them a note or send them a text, just say, hey, man, I thank you for investing in me. Would you pray and ask God to give you a Timothy? Would you ask God to give you somebody that you can kind of take under your wing and begin to encourage and pray for and just kind of be their cheerleader in the Lord? Would you become a part of the process? If you're not plugged into a small group, would you ask God to give you a group that you can be plugged in with? You may want to start a home group at your house. It's exciting to know that you guys can be a part of the process. Let's take a minute. Would you ask God to give you somebody that's in your circle of life that needs somebody to be a Barnabas to them? And I know that you're still a work in progress as I am. They don't need somebody that's perfect, that has it all together. They just need someone who will love on them and encourage them to stay close to the Lord no matter what it costs. If there's anyone here that needs somebody to pray with them or pray for them, we want to do that. I want us all just to remember Bill and Linda. They're still over here to my left. Again, I appreciate them. I just want you to whisper up a prayer on their behalf. If you're here today, maybe you've been visiting and this is where the Lord is leading you to plug in, become a member, we invite you to come. I just want you right where you are just to surrender yourself to God and say, God, I want to be part of the process. Wouldn't it be great to get to heaven and have somebody run over to us that we invested in And just say to us, I am so thankful that you took time for me. And then have other people come up that you invested in this person who invested in that person and and it begins to multiply out. Is Brett here? I don't know if Brett's in this service. I know he was in the earlier service. Can I just say I appreciate Brett? Brett's Uh, Less maybe than half my age. But I'm so thankful that Brett is part of the staff here. And I, I feel like I've been able to sit under his feet and just learn from him. It doesn't matter the age, man. We can all sit and learn. I feel like the most blessed guy on the planet to have so many incredible people that are just helping me and encouraging me along. I feel very blessed. So I wanna pray and then we're gonna close out with a song. I just wanna encourage you to follow through with what God has said to you today. I wanna to be a church that's in the multiplication process, that we're bearing fruit, we're keeping God the number one love of our life. How many of you noticed we changed the banners a week or so ago? Loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbors, yourself. That really is the Bedrock Foundation. I probably say it every week, but I I feel incredibly blessed to be a part of this church. Because what's happening here is happening because of, of the people. Guarantee it. Because some people visit and say, I don't even know why people come there. I've heard him. He's not that good. <laughs> I'll close with this. I could, I could go on and on and on. Several years ago, 8 o'clock service, there was a little guy sitting on his grandfather's lap. He was in about pew number four right there. At the end of the service, I was walking toward the back, as I do to, to greet everybody. I was walking toward the back. I just preached my heart out. I was walking toward the back, and this little guy, maybe three years old, sitting on his grandfather's lap. I don't even remember who it was. But I remember this little guy looked up at me as I was walking back, and he said to me, I could do that. man, I got down on my knee and I gave that guy a hug. I said, buddy, you certainly can. When people look at my life, I think everyone could say, the more you get to know me, I could do that. And you really can do that. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for my church family. I thank you for the privilege of being able to sit at their feet and just to learn from them. Thank you for the people who continue to invest in others along the journey for this multiplication process. And I pray that each one of us here would follow through with that person you put on our heart, that, God, we want to be a part. We want to give back and pour into somebody along the journey. Fill us with your Spirit. Help us to make a difference everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.